0: Welcome to the Radical Abundance Podcast, where we celebrate God's radical abundance in all things. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to Radical Abundance. I'm your host, Teresa Jansen. And throughout the month of January, we are talking about God's radical abundance of grace. And last week, we were We had a conversation Dan and I did about God's radical abundance of grace and how that compares to the rights-based approach in humanitarian development. Totally different topic this time around, but I just want to review that definition of grace that we said in the Christian environment, according to theological definitions, grace is usually considered as God's unmerited favor that is given to his people, his children. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, specifically, why is it so difficult for us to understand grace, for us to um, accept grace, and why is it important that we can really begin to get our minds and our hearts around this concept of grace and how God lavishes his grace on us. The other day I was driving down the road and there was a traffic light in front of me. The traffic light was green and I was close enough to it that I had already made the decision that I was going to make this light. Then the car that was in front of me decided to turn and that caused me to decelerate to the point that it was really now quite iffy. But I went through the light and you know what? That light for sure was red by the time I went through it and nothing happened i didn't get into an accident there were no red and blue lights in my rear view mirror so i had nothing that uh, happened as a result of me going through that traffic light now for some people that's what how they consider grace is kind of that getting by with something getting through something and having it nothing happen as a consequence. The idea of a grace period on your credit card payment, you have a due date and then maybe a grace period before the interest and late fees and things like that kick in. But from a theological perspective, that idea of grace is really more defined as mercy. Mercy is when you deserve some type of punishment or some type of fine or or something, and you don't get it, then you receive mercy. And grace is when regardless of what you deserve, you get unmerited favor or something good that happens to you. You know, I think that the reason why it's so hard for us to understand grace is because it's not the way we think in our world. Um, you know, God thinks differently than how we do. Isaiah 55, verse eight says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So the very idea that grace is difficult for us to grasp, a lot of that is because we think, differently than God did, yet God created us in his image, and so we must have the the ability to to comprehend it if we can stretch ourselves a little bit. So in our culture, in a scientific world, we think about cause and effect. That's what the natural world tells us about. Um, When one thing happens, there's a response to that. The cause and effect relationship is very clear, and our minds understand that. Uh, in society. We talk about the rule of law um, In from a legal uh, essence. We want things to be fair. If one person breaks the law, there is uh, the same type of punishment that happens as when another person breaks the law. We like things to be very fair. That seems to be how we want to think. And in an economic standpoint, I bet you know the end of this saying, you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. If you pay a lot for something, you expect to get a lot. And if you pay a little for something, well, then you might not be surprised when it doesn't turn out to be the same quality as something that you pay a lot for. And so those types of economies we're very comfortable with. It's the way our mind works. But unmerited favor that seems like a very different type of idea. Let's think about Christ's life for a little bit. now when we when we talk about Jesus was born as a baby and the relationship that God the Father had with with uh, God the Son, Jesus, while he was here on earth, uh, many people people feel this is a model relationship of how we, can see our relationship with God the Father. So Jesus was born as a baby. He grew up. He was baptized. Now think about the fact that when he was baptized, uh, he had no sins that were washed away even symbolically as baptism is a symbol of uh, washing away the sins because Jesus lived a sinless life. And so that makes his baptism uh, different from when we are baptized and symbolically have that newness of life. Jesus lived his entire life and, and was sinless, even though the religious leaders of the time were continually criticizing him for having broken one law or another. Specifically, I like to think about Jesus was accused of having broken the Sabbath numerous occasions. He healed people on the Sabbath. Uh, The disciples picked grain on the Sabbath. They walked places on the Sabbath. And yet we know that Jesus didn't sin. So is it possible that we don't have a good understanding of even what the Sabbath was designed for at that time? And in fact, that's exactly what Jesus tells us is that we don't understand the Sabbath. It goes back to that Isaiah 55 passage, where God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. They're beyond our thoughts. And yet our task while we are here on earth is spiritual maturity. And as we're maturing as a Christian, our thoughts can become more and more like God's thoughts. You know, that scripture verse in Isaiah is oftentimes taken a bit out of context where people may um, use that scripture to justify how God has done something that doesn't seem like the right thing. And I don't ever want to do that because that scripture was specifically referring to the idea of People who have been doing evil, turning and and no longer doing evil, and then God lavishing his forgiveness. Let me give you the couple of verses just before that so that we know that we are talking about this in context. Beginning in verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. And then it goes on that to talk about my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Because our thoughts say that people who are doing wrong deserve punishment. They don't deserve forgiveness. And so, again, now we're talking about the difference between mercy and grace. And why is this so important to, d- to distinguish between mercy and grace? Mercy is when we deserve punishment and we don't get it. Grace is when we get something of benefit, regardless of whether or not we deserve it. And so the idea of not being punished is different from receiving benefit from God. What are some of the benefits that we get from God because of his grace? Of course, the biggest one is eternal life. Uh, there are good things that happen in our life, regardless of whether or not we deserve them. And that's really hard because there's also bad things that happen in our life, regardless of whether or not we deserve them. And so I don't like to even put those in the same category as, as grace, because too often we get tied up in if I'm doing the right thing, good things happen. If I'm doing the wrong thing, bad things happen. And in this sinful fallen world, that is just not always the case. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not the case. And I think that we really need to be careful with that. So let's talk about a a few of the other ways that our culture defines grace. You know, we, we have some idiomatic language that lends itself to that. And let's see if you can fill in the blank on these. One good turn deserves another. One good turn deserves another. The idea that if you do something good, you deserve something good to come back. How about um, turnaround is fair play. Turnaround is fair play. We think that if someone has done something wrong to me, I have the right to do something wrong back to them. And that is kind of how our human economy works, but that's not how God's economy works at all. So when I think about how we behave in society, let's look at if we have the same ability to give grace the way that God does. If you are doing your job, I could ask you, why is it that you do the work that you do? Now, hopefully you enjoy it. You feel fulfilled and and purpose. But most of us do our work because we also need that paycheck, right? This is the real world. We need the paycheck. Imagine for a moment that your bills are paid. You don't have a need for the money. And so now, are you going to do that same job? And are you going to do it to the same level that you did it before when you were receiving money? That's a really interesting idea of looking at. Ah, uh, being graceful, will you do the same work that you are doing now, even if you don't get anything in return for that work? That would be extending grace when you are doing something and not receiving anything back. When I was young, my mom taught me that you say thank you when you receive things. In fact, we were even taught to write thank you, notes when you receive a gift. I heard a story one time about a good grandfather wanting to teach his grandson about thank you notes. He gave him a a shiny silver 50 cent piece and the grandson wrote a thank you note and thanked him him for it. The next year for his birthday, he got another and the grandson wrote a thank you note. The following year he received his shiny 50 cent piece And this time he didn't write a thank you note. The next year came around and he did not receive a 50 cent piece. Now the grandfather then told him that's how thank you notes work. When you say thank you, then it perpetuates that gift next time. Again, this is a good example of our human economy, but not God's economy. In fact, I think about the Israelites. Remember when the Israelites uh, had been living in the wilderness, wandering in the wilderness, and God was feeding them, feeding them with manna, giving them water from the rock, and taking care of all of their physical needs. And what did they do? They turned around and complained. They didn't say thank you, they complained about everything. And in Numbers 21, in the account of Numbers 21, they say, why did you bring us to the wilderness to die? There's no water, there's no food, and we loathe this tiresome bread. I always find that so interesting because in one breath, they say there's no food. The next breath, they say, okay, well, we have food, but we don't like it. We're tired of it. We want something different. How ungrateful is that, you know, that God has taken care of their every need, and yet they find room to complain. And not only that they don't like it, but accusing that their needs are not even met. And so imagine doing something and not receiving a thank you. Will you really want to do that again next time? But doing good things for someone, even without a thank you, is what is called grace. And God is much better at it than what we are as human beings. There was a time when I first moved to South Sudan, and I had a bad experience one day. It was actually, I had taken a shower during the day. It was the dry season and there were a lot of bees. And while I was taking the shower in this outside shower, one of the bees got on me and uh, was just wanting water and was drinking the water off from my skin, but it really scared me. And so I decided that's the end of my shower. And I put my dress over my head and one of those bees got trapped underneath my dress and he stung me. When I came out of the shower, I was just about in in tears. And my friends, oh, they were laughing and they said, Well, you know, you can't take a shower in the middle of the day. Well, I felt foolish and I felt like um, just out of place. I was living in a foreign land and things were different. And I just cried out to God and I said, God, how can I serve these ungrateful people? I felt a bit entitled, I will tell you, to think that my service in another country as a missionary, that people should be grateful for me to be there. Why would I think that? Why would I expect that people would be grateful that I have come to serve? Because that's how we're taught as human beings is that when you do something nice for someone, they're supposed to say thank you, but sometimes they don't. And God is really In a situation where he is accustomed to people, not only not saying thank you, but oftentimes just being really rebellious. But, you know, when it comes to grace, it's not just about doing the things that we see as good. Sometimes God's grace doesn't look very graceful at all. But God is good, and like we like to say, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good because that is his nature. The very nature of God is goodness, and sometimes that goodness doesn't look good to us because we don't see the whole picture. I think about a child maybe who's eating uh, her cereal, and she throws the cereal on the floor. Now, if I'm that child's mother, I know that she needs food, so I'll give her another bowl of cereal because I'm her mom. I don't know if that can be called grace because my responsibility is to feed and care for this child, and so I will give her another bowl of cereal. But if she looks straight at me and throws that cereal on the floor, And I see this is a rebellious spirit. She is intentionally throwing that cereal on the floor. Maybe I won't give her the cereal back this time. Now, I'm not going to let the child starve. However, I know that the good thing for the child is to eventually learn to not throw the cereal on the floor. Her rebellious streak has to be stopped at that point in time so that she can learn proper behavior and how to eat. In a good way. And so as a parent, I know a little bit about child psychology and child rearing. And then maybe I don't give the cereal back at that point and wait for another time. So just like that mom who doesn't give a cereal back to a child who's throwing it on the floor on purpose, then God also knows the circumstances in our life far beyond what we know. His thoughts are higher, his ways are are more clear, he sees the big picture. And so sometimes the things that happen in our life and the experiences that we have, we maybe don't feel like we are experiencing grace or mercy. Sometimes, oftentimes, God will allow us to experience the consequences of our own actions or the consequences of someone else's actions, because ultimately that is what will eventually be good for us and for those around us. This is not an easy thing. This is a sinful, fallen world. It doesn't mean that good things will always happen. It means that God's purposes will always be accomplished, even through the hard things, after the hard things. When I look at the times in my life when I have experienced the most growth, it hasn't been through those mountaintop, wonderful experiences. It hasn't been the times when I came in first place. It hasn't been the times when I got the reward and the accolades and the applause. The times when I have learned and grown have been the times when I have suffered. And it's through suffering that I have really come to be the person that I am today. Now, not all of the the bad things that happen in life are God's judgment, God's punishment, or have anything to do with God at all. But God will allow those experiences to happen, consequences of our choices, and sometimes consequences of other people's choices that have nothing to do with anything that a person has done wrong. It's sometimes something that other people have done that are completely wrong. But God will redeem that situation. Absolutely. No matter how horrible it is, God will Bring justice ultimately. That is something that we need to hang on to when we're in the midst of those circumstances. Now, why is it even important that we distinguish what is God's economy of grace and the difference between grace and mercy? In my mind, it's because the Christian faith is the only faith that experiences grace from a good God. You see, God's graciousness towards you has nothing to do with what you have done, what you um, should have done, whether it's good or bad or anything else. God's grace is not contingent upon your performance or your behavior. God's grace is given to you as a result of your faith in Christ. So the Bible is very clear that this is unmerited favor. Now, we do good things out of the gratitude that we have for God's grace and God's mercy. But his grace is not contingent upon you doing good things first or good things at all. But the praise we give... The things that we do are the outflowing of our hearts towards him. And as we mature and grow as Christians, we learn to do that more and better. Do you know that in other religions, oftentimes we see a God who demands things from his followers, uh, demands certain behavior, words, um, sacrifices, praise, fear, behavior, that people have to exhibit before something good will happen. And one of the challenges is is that people never know if they have done enough to appease that type of a God. But our God, the one true God of the Christian faith, doesn't require any of that. His grace is unmerited towards us just for our faith in Jesus Christ. As a result, Of beginning to understand God's grace is it really strengthens our faith. When we think that our salvation and our benefits of being a Christian are dependent on our own behavior, what need is there for faith? That's exactly what Paul said. We have no need for faith if good works can do it. Christ didn't need to come and die for our sin if we were able to keep the law right? we But we're not able. We're not holy. We're not perfect. We We do struggle. And therefore, God's grace towards us is really a strengthening of our faith when we can come and realize it's not what we have done. It is what he has done for us. Additionally, grace really helps us endure those hardships. When things in this world happen that are out of our control, when someone else's behavior has impacted us, we can endure because we know that God is gracious. God will bring justice and it's not for us to do that. And so that we can have trust and faith that really helps us grow in our trust of who God is and allow him to be the one who seeks justice for us. And finally, God's grace towards us helps us learn to be graceful towards others. I try to think about what does grace mean? What does it look like in human form? We talk about graceful as a swan. We think about ballerinas are very graceful in their movement. But really, grace is doing for others, even um, when they don't Give us the thanks, the smile, the kindness we think that we deserve and not begrudging the situation. If we can learn to do good and um, benefit other people without receiving anything in return, without the paycheck, without the thank you, without anything, then we can begin to understand what it is like to be graceful in that sense of the word. As we go today, I would really love to hear your stories about how God has been graceful in your life or how other people have expressed God's grace toward you and your thoughts on grace. So please leave it in the comments. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe so that you will catch every episode of Radical Abundance. I'm Teresa Jansen wishing you a radically abundant day.